What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Van Chats on the Out of Bounds Network. My name is John Kroom. If you haven't already, please make sure you hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review as it really helps out a lot. Guys, I'm going to go ahead and apologize for the shitty audio and the practical out of breath. Um, I have come down with COVID. Uh, it's quite a bummer. And yeah, I'm dealing with it. I'm on my, what, fourth or fifth day at this point. Um, so yeah, I'm just making the best of it and just riding it out, trying to take care of myself. But luckily enough, I was able to do this podcast uh, virtually. So I got to sit down with Rob Gutelis from Factor Bikes, the CEO of Factor. And man, it was it was a really cool opportunity to listen to this guy. He's, he's probably one of the most intelligent dudes we've had on this podcast, at least business-wise, and uh, knows a lot of people, knows a lot of people. And so it was really kind of neat to... Uh, get the opportunity to chat with him and uh, talk to him. But yeah, uh, if you haven't already, please make sure that you check out uh, our merch. We uh, have coffee coffee mugs and we also have socks for sale. All you have to do is go to johncroomcycling.com. That's johncroomcycling.com. Pick up a coffee mug, pick up some socks. If you want to go check out the Out of Bounds uh, merch as well, there's going to be a link in the description below. So be sure to check that out. Uh, but let's dive into sponsors real quick back for another podcast is spot spot covers your uh medical bills up to twenty thousand dollars each time you get injured spot will cover your actual out-of-pocket costs instead of a fixed fee in a world where many people are under or uninsured with sky high deductibles spot fills that gap that is sorely lacking in the outdoor space spot has no deductible and is a monthly subscription can be canceled at any time spot works with whether works whether you have health insurance or not while spot works to cover a lot of cyclists and a lot of mountain bikers spot policy covers you 24 7 worldwide whether you're ripping a crit skiing a black diamond chopping up food in your kitchen or climbing mount everest all you have to do is go to croom.getspot.com that's croom.getspot.com guys if if you're doing anything in the outdoor space and you don't have spot yet, you're just asking to have an outrageous fucking medical bill. So go to croom.getspot.com. That's croom.getspot.com. Also back for another episode this week is Twisted Spoke here out of Colorado Springs. I've been struggling with my sleep, so I made sure that I was up and on my tinctures. Uh, Like I said, I love their CBN tincture that I've been using for quite some time. And uh, yeah, it really helps me get adequate sleep and it's built by cyclists. So go check them out at twistedspoke.com. That's twistedspoke.com. Or if you can go check them out at their Garden of the Gods location here in Colorado Springs, they might even hook you up with some kombucha on your way out. So go check them out at twistedspoke.com. Again, for another week, Zill Pro. Zill Pro is back for another week. Guys, if you have a bike rack on the back of your car and you're tired of showing up to races with a dirty bike, make sure you cover it with Zill Pro. Zill Pro will protect your bike. It is is this pla- this black covering that you put over the, the back of your bike to keep your bike protected while it's on the rack. And they even have an add-on that you can add your lights in. So you can literally slide uh, lights into the back of the bag. So you're not covering your brake lights. So it keeps your bike protected and keeps your car protected. All you have to do is go to zealpro.com. That's zealpro.com or check out the link in the description below. And also sponsoring this podcast is my own podcast. So yeah, guys, you, you come back and listen to this podcast week after week. Um, if you wouldn't mind, 
putting a donation into it and subscribing to the podcast. There's a link in the description below on how to support this podcast as little as 99 cents and it goes a very long way. So all you have to do is go down in the description below, click on that, um, register. You can cancel it at any time and it's much appreciated. So please check that out. It's going to be a link in the description below on how to support this podcast. Other than that, let's go ahead and dive into this week's episode. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Van Chats on the Out of Bounds Network. Um, if I sound a little under the weather, it is because I have tested positive for COVID over the weekend. So fun stuff. But luckily, we get to do this stuff virtually. And I'm here with Rob Gatellis from Factor Bicycles, the CEO, the big dog, the guy that wears the big pants over there and uh, does all the cool stuff. But uh, yeah, you're in Taiwan right now. Is that correct? I am. Canadian yeah. in Taiwan? No, I'm actually American from Miami. You're American. Okay, you're yeah. from Miami originally. So, yeah. so tell us, tell us your backstory. How do you, I mean, how do you find yourself an American from Miami, you know, into cycling? And then, I mean, Miami is a pretty popular cycling area. But how do you find yourself in Taiwan owning one of the biggest cycling companies to date? Yeah, well, I mean, going all the way back to Miami, you know, I grew up in Miami at a time when cycling was popular there, but not so popular in the U.S. Okay. And I actually was very lucky that I got sort of brought under the wings of uh, the Carmichael brothers. So Kevin and Chris Carmichael. Oh, I worked all... for Chris. Right. And so, oh, they're okay. Also... you know, I was a roommate a little bit later in life with uh, his brother, Kevin. And so, you know, I was very lucky to get, you know, cycling experience, you know, firsthand from, you know, from them. And so it enabled me to, you know, progress as a bike racer. But then, you know, fast forward, you know, I came to Taiwan in 1996 um, to actually visit my girlfriend at the time. And uh, one thing led to another and I ended up racing the tour of Taiwan, which led to me, you know, being offered some job opportunities um, in the bicycle industry here when, you know, bikes really hadn't quite taken off here in Taiwan yet. It was still kind of very entry-level bikes, but okay. you can tell that, you know, a lot of companies were coming here and that uh, more high-end was on the way. And so these companies needed somebody who kind of, you know, understood what a race bike was like, how, how it was used. And then, uh, um, you know, I got those sort of opportunities, you know, very early. And so I just decided to stay. And then one thing led to another. And 26 years later, I'm still here. Man, that, that is actually kind of crazy. And so, you know, because you, you've purchased, because I did a little bit of research, you purchased Factor from John Bailey. And uh, from, B, from BF1 Systems, yes. BF1 was, Systems. Yeah. Okay. And what's interesting is, is that, that, uh, I think it's the factor zero zero one literally looks like a replica of Alex Dowsett's bike, or I mean, some of the bikes that, that are kind of going out and about currently, it's kind of cool. So how do you like, why factor? Like, it sounded like you could have, you could have purchased any other bike company, but why factor? Well, maybe a little more background. So, you know, I worked for, a couple of companies. And then I started my own company in around 1999. Okay. And that company was doing contract manufacturing for different brands. So, you know, I started to work with Cervelo from like pretty much the time that Cervelo was founded to the time that it was sold. 
I was in charge of all of their supply chain purchasing and development and, you know, working with their engineers. So there was a time where I was building bikes for Cervelo, for Focus, for Santa Cruz, working with Zip, Envy, Bontrager, pretty much the who's who of the industry. And I was making yeah. quite a lot of products for them. But around five or six years ago, I decided this wasn't so interesting anymore. My company was quite big. It was quite uh, quite challenging to manage. And I was actually building bikes for Factor, um, their first uh, bike that they tried to commercialize um, into more of a standard production bike. And so I got to know the people at BF1, including John Bailey, but the bike wasn't real. Bike was a commercial success, but they really didn't know how to sell it. And yeah. so it kind of by the wayside. So then when I decided I wanted to have a brand, I thought, well, it's always easier to buy a brand that already has a little bit of recognition than to just come up with a name out of nowhere. For sure. So, you know, kind of funny, you know, I've been cycling for a long time. So I looked at, can I buy Rosine? Can I buy, uh, there was a few brands. I looked at Rosine. I looked at Concord. I looked at Tomasini, but, you know, I finally decided, well, factor, you know, it's a lot more in line with the engineering that I do. And so like, let me, let me, you know, speak to factor, you know, to, to the BF1 guys. And they were open to selling me the brand, you know? And so that's how, uh, kind of came about. Yeah, no. And I mean, it's a cool name. It's one of those names where like, you're just like, damn it. Like how, how has nobody thought of that sooner? Like factor and Canyon, like those two names, I'm just like, how have nobody thought of those, those names for bike brands sooner? Um, it's like specialized, right? It's just like so spot on. Um, yeah. But anyways, so diving, you know, me with the COVID, um, it, obviously we're still in a pandemic. What, what has it been like for you, man? Like you, it's had to have been tough. Um, it's, it's a real roller coaster ride. You know, we, we own our own production, which is very different from a lot of other bicycle companies. You know, we own the factory that makes our products. Wow. So I, I have a lot of mouths to feed. And when we, when COVID first hit, it hit here in Asia and we, we kind of saw it coming a few months before the rest of the world. Yeah. And I was kind of like staring at a cliff thinking this is going to just, you know, we're going off the, the edge of this cliff. Um, but I didn't stop producing because I already have to pay all of those workers. I already had all that material. I was, so I just kept going and the rest of the industry, when they saw it coming a few months later, they all hit the brakes mm -hmm. and like started canceling orders and just totally stopping production. And the factories in China were shutting down and not coming back from Chinese New Year holiday because they had no orders and, uh, and everything kind of ground to a halt. And then all of a sudden, fast forward three or four months and it just took off again and nobody was ready for it. And we were in a really nice position that we never stopped. We had kept building and uh, we were able to sort of catch that demand when everybody else was like, I have no bikes to sell. Yeah. And so, you know, it was, it was, you know, very lucky for us. And at the same time, even during COVID, we've launched several new models when most bicycle companies, they're unable to travel here to Asia. And so for them to do any kind of launching new product is super difficult for them when you know we're already here in Asia, it's our factory. So we've been able to launch quite a few new products in uh, in this time of COVID. No, and that, yeah, I was literally, that was my next topic was, 
you know, how have you guys been able to do, you know, what you guys have done as far as launching new, new products and, and new things like that. And I guess you literally answered that question for me. And so I guess, you know, diving into kind of a little bit of my next topic, you know, of, of new bikes and new brands, you know, the, one of the things that's where I started to latch on to you, um, was when I saw Alex Dowsett come out for the hour record and mm -hmm. it wasn't just like any other bike company giving like, Hey, here, here's our time trial frame, make it somewhat track legal. Good luck. Like mm -hmm. you guys put a lot of work into that. So where did that start? How long of a process was that? Because while other bike brands are sitting here panicking about getting 2022 models in, it just seems like you're in La La Land creating a completely off the shelf bike that is unlike any other. Yeah, well, it, it kind of was like that. And I, I'll be honest, Alex didn't give us a whole lot of time because his his rate, his attempt was on again, off again, on again. Yeah. And so really that whole project came together in about 45 days. Wow. Um, but again, because, you know, I'm sitting in the factory most of the time, you know, we could execute it. You know, I had there was a few things that I knew we didn't have enough time to do, which is why, you know, I contacted Josh at Silka and I'm like, can you 3D print these for me? Because I just don't have to <laughs> yeah. get this. Made. Like, oh, I've never done that before, but it sounds like a challenge and we're always up to a challenge. Yeah. And so, you know, but between the help of Silka and then what we could do ourselves. Yeah. We were able to pull that together in a pretty short period of time. And, you know, we've since had the bike in the wind tunnel several times and there's nothing faster than that bike that we've tested up until now. And we benchmarked with pretty much the fastest world tour bikes out there. And did you, so did you put that against other track bikes or are you just saying just other bikes in general? Uh, we, we are not able to test against other track bikes, um, but we can test their, you know, their road bike equivalent, whether it be from Specialized or Cervelo or Argon 18. Yeah. And I can tell uh, that it's, it's quite a bit faster. Okay. Well then I'm going to put you on the spot and you don't have to answer this question. And if I need to edit it out, are we going to see a factor track bike? Yeah, I'm a track well, guy. Well, so. actually we have, that's part of the rules is in order to, you know, for Alex to compete in the, in the, in the hour record, the bike has to be commercialized within one year. And so um, what did he, he did the, the record just at the end of the year. So we have until next December to come out with a track bike. And there it has, you guys to be, go. has to be that track bike that he raced. So yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely in the plan. We have a, a few federations that are talking to us about uh, Paris 2024 yeah. and having, supplying them with bikes. Yeah. Cause like literally, well, here's the thing I, you know, I've, I've had the, the luxury of riding for team USA. I've had the opportunity of dealing with federations. I've had the opportunity to deal with teams and deal with bikes. I've never talked to a bike brand this openly. And like, you just seem very open and, and receptive. And I've never heard of a bike brand being so open and receptive with other brands like Silka, et cetera, in creating, in creating bikes like that. And so is, is it, is this going to be like your pursuit dominant bike? And then you're going to look into creating a mass start style bike, or are you going to hope that it can kind of intertwine like both, like kind of like how the Argon does. I mean, they have the little topper and you can make it a pursuit bike, or I mean, a, uh, a mass start bike or an endurance bike, et cetera. Um, my, my impression, and I'm not a track expert, but in speaking to people who are, 
you know, it's two pretty different athletes, the guys that are riding the endurance events versus the guys that are riding the sprint events as far as the amount of power going into the bike. And I think that there's too much compromise having one bike that does it all. I kind of feel like to have a sprint bike and then you need to have an endurance bike. Um, I don't think that one size fits all can really uh, cover it. So I think, of course, we'll start with that endurance bike because we already have the, the groundwork there. But I think what we've done with the Hanzo can certainly lend itself to then, you know, being an interesting design for a uh, sprint specific bike. No, that's awesome. That's super cool. And and I didn't even know if I would get that out of you on the podcast, but look at that. Look what we can do. So yeah, diving into that. Um, I guess my next thing is, is, you know, you guys work with several teams. Obviously we've had several, um, several, uh, athletes on the podcast. Uh, factor isn't just a bike brand. They also have black ink or are those two separate brands? And do you like to keep those separate? We like, keep them a little bit separate because I don't want to fall into that trap of Black Ink becoming the house brand of Factor. We hope that Black Ink can fit just as good on a Pinarello or a Cervelo as okay. it can Factor. So we, we try to keep them a little bit separate in, in that regard. Um, so we continue to develop product for Black Ink that actually doesn't end up only on a Factor. Um, and so that's important for us to, to kind of continue in that direction. Awesome. No, that's super cool. And so, yeah, so diving, diving a little bit out of product and, and, and you, you seem like a very intelligent guy and like you've spent probably more time in the wind tunnel than you have in your own home. Um, so, but I almost find it hard to believe because in, I, I, when I found you and like really, cause I always knew who you were, but I saw a post. I followed you on Instagram. You rode three. It was three thousand kilometers, thirty-one hundred kilometers in the month of December. So you rode hundred k a day. You said, "You know what, Rafa? Uh, screw your festive five hundred. I'm just gonna have a festive month." Um. Yeah. I'll be honest. Um. There was a couple of things that happened. Of course, you know, I rode over twenty thousand kilometers in 2020. Okay. And I. Get- of the goal of only riding 15,000 kilometers in 2021. And it became pretty apparent that I was going to come up short by about, you know, a thousand kilometers. I wasn't going to come up super short, but I was going to come up short. And the other thing I realized was I just wasn't riding my bike as much as I wanted to. And so I decided, you know, I spoke to my sales manager who also rides a lot. He's a very competitive bike rider. His name is John Ebsen. And I spoke to him. I said, you know, we need to make a challenge for December of riding 100K a day. And he's like, that's pretty ridiculous. And I'm like, yeah, but I think we can we can manage it. And so, uh, yeah, just kind of like started waking up at 5 a.m. and, you know, knocking out three and a half hour. And you're still working full days. You're still. That was part of the rule was you still, you know, I said, okay, we can be at work by 930. And so, yeah, we were still working full days. our days are pretty long, but, yeah. uh, but no, it was great, you know, because I got to tell you on January 1st, I was still really happy to go ride my bike again. And so it, it really kind of, you know, reignited that, uh, that flame, I would say a little bit yeah. and, you know, riding, you know, 
instead of reaching my goal of 15,000 kilometers, I actually rode 16 and a half thousand because of that. Because that of that month? month? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. well, what's, what's super cool about it is like, see, I'm not even, and I think this is kind of what Rafa tried to do. Like, I'm not even a factor athlete in the thing I was like, man, I want to do that. I want to jump into that. So is this something that we're going to kind of see stick with factor? Because it almost like I could see and correct me if I'm wrong, but like when this topic comes up in the coffee room, I could see you not promoting it in the off chance that you don't do it. Like, why would you promote it and not achieve it? But you did. Yeah, I think that, you know, I definitely there was some times I was a little worried in that first week i'm like this is gonna this is gonna take its toll but we were pretty lucky with the weather i only had to ride in the rain twice okay. it is a little cold here in the winter time um but we were pretty lucky with the weather and of course you know it's december there's christmas parties and things to go to yeah so bank a few extra miles um for those days when you just didn't want to go ride 100k so very like in the first week i did a 210k ride just so I knew, okay, I can miss a day some sometime in here. And then I was riding maybe like 105, 110Ks a day, just trying to build up a little bit extra in the bank. But in the end, I ended up riding 3,200 kilometers for the uh, for the month. So, you know, I didn't need all, all that that was in the bank. So it was good. But yeah, I can definitely see this becoming a, a thing. Yeah. Because um, I, I mean... Definitely- with the with the amount of like endurance craziness that we have going on and 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 all respect and all shout out to the Rafa Festive 500 I think that started a very cool thing in the winter but like our like we're bike packing across the country now you have like Phil Guyman doing these crazy 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 climbing rides you have guys riding through the night riding across the country like the challenges are just getting crazier and crazier do you think this is like something you guys are going to stick with Oh, well, I don't know. I, you know, I don't, you know, a lot of people like to define cycling by as suffering and I don't really like to define it that way. Um, I like to define cycling as just pure enjoyment. And so I don't think that you necessarily need to create these events that require pure suffering, but I think you want to create events that challenge people, but that if they come up short, they come up short. But I think it needs to be you know, something within reason, because it was funny, David Miller, good mate of mine, he put up a challenge, ride 200 kilometers in December. And I, right away, I called him up and pulled the piss out of him, like 200 kilometers. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In the month of December. Yeah. 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 So I, that, that, you know, there's obviously different, different people out there looking for different challenges, but I don't want to, I don't want our sport to be, you know, described as suffering because I don't think that's what it is. No. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I necessarily don't disagree with that, but I do think, I do think the, um, it's not necessarily suffering anymore. It's like, how far can we push ourselves? Like, it's not, it's not really the suffer as much. And like, that's where the festive 500, I think kind of comes in. It's like doing 500 kilometers, especially for people that work and all these other things. Like that's a big feat and achievement. It's not much of a suffer. Uh, it's kind of like Leadville, right? Like you do Leadville, it, you know, you are suffering, whether you want to say you are or not, no matter how fast you're going or how good you are. Um, but well, don't really, I'm signed up for unbound this year for the 200 mile. So. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I did the hundred last year and I will tell you right now, that was about as much as I would like to do. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think the sport is always looking for a new challenge and that's where the gravel has come into play. It's kind of yeah. the, 
you know, why go do a hundred K road race or Grand Fondo when you can go ride 200 miles of pure Kansas chunky gravel and literally experience, you experience 10 different types of gravel. Um, I mean, all the way from literally riding big rocks and marbles to riding just plain white dirt that you're doing 20 miles an hour over. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, but anyways, so one more question for you, because, um, you know, I don't want to I don't want to keep you all morning and, and I wanted to get some of these things out. And it's really cool to kind of hear kind of the development of factor and how it, how it kind of went about, especially with you being in Taiwan. Um, but if you could have a cup of coffee with one individual and it seems like, you know, a exorbitant <laughs> amount of people like you've already had coffee with people that I could only dream to have coffee with. Yeah. Um, but if you could have a cup of coffee with one individual, dead or alive, who would that uh, person be, and how would you take your coffee, and why? Well, yeah, I, I would say you know I've already had coffee with Eddie Merckx, oh, wow. and the whatnot. So yeah, I wouldn't say, and I think my answer is going to be somewhat surprising, but I'd actually would want to have coffee with Simon Matra, the okay. founder founder of Rafa. Oh. Um, and the reason why is because I really feel like if there's one person who has changed our sport for the better in the last 15 years, I, I can't think of anyone more than him. And I don't really own much Rafa stuff and I'm not such a huge fan of the brand, but I, what they've accomplished to me is amazing. And if I can do something similar with Factor, I'd be over the moon. Coffee wise, that's a black, black drip coffee with a little bit of milk. Awesome. Awesome. So you would, you would more or less want to sit down with the owner of Rafa just to kind of discuss like the diversity. Cause I think, you know, like I said, I've been doing my research and I was doing a little bit of searching and some of the teams you support, I mean, even Israel startup nation and the women's team that you support, the whole reason why you're supporting these teams is not necessarily because they're in the world tour. I mean, even Israel startup nation, they weren't that great when you started working with them from the gun, mm -hmm. like you probably yeah. could have worked with several other teams, but it's the diversity aspect. I think diversity is really important. You know, we actually sponsor two women's teams, you know, and, and we, we think that that's, that's really important. Um, we're actually going to be working with an, an African gravel team um, in 2022, um, which is also awesome. very exciting. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, we're, we're helping to, uh, to, to get that started up. That's uh, something that Ian Boswell sort of put in place. But yeah, I think that it's it's not just about, you know, I think equality is really important. But what I what I see that that Rafa has done is obviously they've done all the right things around equality, but they've also changed, you know, when I started riding bikes, we were all wearing, you know, racing kit. And, you know, that was that was what you wore. And it was all about, you know, racing and suffering and all that. And that's that comes back to the suffering again. Now, you know, they've turned it into, you know, there's there's millions of people that are just not all that interested in racing. They just want to go ride their bike for enjoyment. And I, I think that that's wonderful because it's opened our sport up to so many more people and they've really created this welcoming atmosphere, even though it's, you know, it's a bit of a click at the Rafa side, but they've, they've created this very, you know, this atmosphere of it's not about, you know, yelling at some guy because he doesn't ride in the pace line correctly. And it's not about going out and just trying to drop everybody. It's really about, you know, taking photos and uh, really enjoying it. And, you know, I make fun of it sometimes because there's days that I want to go train, but there's days that I just want to go hang out and drink coffee. And, you know, they've, they've done both. 
For sure. And I, and I, and I, and I do think factor has touched a bit of that for sure. Even mm-hmm. before I, I knew nothing about the African team, but I mean, you have a retired pro with a cookie bike, you know what I mean? And so it's yeah. when you, when you, when you kind of have a little bit of that, like you are starting to open up into the fun side of things. And, and you know what, it's, it's going to kind of tickle one last question for me then on that front, because I, I just remembered that when I was looking through the video and I was, I was doing some of my research, you, you said that you, there's, there's a bit of a hole at factor in, in bike creation. Like you wish you could create a mountain bike and like, there's some other things that you guys still wish to do. And so if, if there's one bike that you guys think that you're missing at factor, so you can only choose one, which one do you think you're missing? That kind of puts me on the spot. <laughs> I know. And I, I and I'm, I've been trying to put you on the spot this whole time and you've been, you've been really good at it. And so I, now I, my goal for Factor is I want to be the, you know, I would say the number one premium bicycle brand. Mm-hmm. And to be the number one premium bicycle brand, you can't just sell high-end road and high-end gravel. Yeah. And so there is obviously a plan um, in the not-too-distant future to have additional um, uh, bike models that, you know, represent, you know, what is a premium bike. I would say that's awesome. No, that's a good, that, that right there is a politician's answer and I will take it. I will take it. I will take it and run with it guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to go check out Rob's Instagram, I'm going to put a link in the description below. Make sure you go check out his crazy ass ride that he did. Um, also I'll put a link in the description below for factor. You guys can check out all of factors bikes. I mean, they have a list upon list upon list. I mean, they have multiple different road bikes, aero bikes, you know, I mean, I literally just watched a video on how he goes, this is the UCI weight limit. Let's create the lightest road bike we can create and let's see what we can get them out with. So please go check that out. Other than that, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Cheers.